If you like what you're about to hear or what you've already heard, be sure to like, comment, share, and subscribe. You can find this episode along with others on iTunes, SoundCloud, MixCloud, and Google Play. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at OffTheClockPod, at O-F-F-T-H-A, ClockPod, or you can search Triple D, that's Triple underscore D. And you can always email me at OffTheClockPodcast at Yahoo.com. Once again, that's O-F-F-T-H-A, ClockPodcast at Yahoo.com. What's up guys, it's your boy Triple D and I'm back with a new little show segment called My Late Ass Reviews. And uh, it's pretty much just what the title says, um, My Late Ass is going to review, um, whether it's a TV show, a movie, a uh, video game, album, whatever, after the fact. <laughs> uh, pretty straightforward. So here's why I'm usually late on this stuff. Um, straight up, 9 times out of 10, I'm either too tired, don't have the time, too much schoolwork, or don't have the money to check out a lot of this stuff. Another big reason is because, and if you want more detail on this, go check out the um, That Stuff Sticks With You episode. I pretty much talked about sort of my my, my adolescence and childhood. Um, short version, I got bullied a lot, and one of the, the upsides to being bullied was that I don't snap with trends. Now, whether it's a trend or whether it's just a huge buzz, I don't run to it. Um, I always approach with caution. I, I don't go off of the mass hype, the mass opinion. Uh, it's just it's just a natural reaction for me. It, you know, it's just my natural response to to whatever's whatever's new and whatever's fresh. Um, like I said, the upside to that is I always genuinely, I always generally kind of step back and take my time when taking in something new. Um, so that kind of leads me to what I hope to accomplish with this new segment is to review all that aforementioned stuff from a stance of after the hype, after it's not the buzz, um, which I think is something that we kind of need to do more nowadays because everything is this happened and we immediately toss out our initial thoughts, whether they're good or bad. A lot of times they tend to be rushed. And I don't, I don't want to do that. Like a lot of things get a bad rap because of the, the overall initial buzz, the, the in the moment. And sometimes those reviews are good, but I think we sell a lot of things short because we don't take the time to really take it in. So along with me being able to talk about how I feel about these things, um, I'm hoping that with some of the things that I review, it gives you a chance to be like, okay, you know what? Let me go back and check this out. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll gain a, a greater appreciation for it. So um, that's what I intend on doing. All right. So with that being said, let's jump right into this first episode. And my late ass is going to review Get Out. Who man. I have wanted to talk about this movie since seeing it. I just never had the chance to up until now, like sit down and record. Um, like I said, this is my late ass review. And my late ass did not see the movie until about three or close to four weeks after the premiere. Um, I saw it with a friend of mine, um, and I don't know if I should name drop, but, uh, good friend of mine, 
uh, we decided to see it so that we could check out other podcast reviews and also because we really wanted to see it. But um, the fact that we hadn't made time to go see it and uh, there were all these these podcast reviews on the movie that we couldn't listen to uh, just made us want to see it even more and made it a lot more urgent. Um, get out the film directorial debut, I believe, of uh, Jordan Peele. Um, we don't really need to go too far into all the specifics. You should know by now who's all involved with this movie. Luckily, I'm like I emphasis on luck. Um, social media didn't spoil this one for me. Thank goodness, because a, a lot of people were talking about how great the movie was, but I I didn't run into any issues with spoilers, which is just great because it, it almost never happens nowadays. I think the, the only thing that would be kind of considered a spoil uh, was maybe how people were were really praising Rob. Excuse me, not Rob. Were play, were play, mm, was how people were really praising Rod and how he was a good friend. Now, obviously, I had not seen the movie. I had no idea what, you know, what he does. But I knew going into it, it's like, okay, this dude plays a really key role in the movie, which, you know, I would have picked up on my own, but you know, like I said, I, I had no idea just how big of a, how big of a role he played in the movie. Now, I also have to address that before we saw the movie, um, the, the, the Samuel Jackson comments were made about how we felt about, um, you know, Daniel Kaluuya. Um, I pray I pronounced that correctly. Um, Daniel Kaluuya, Kaluuya being, you know, an, another British actor. Uh, playing this role and how he felt that, you know, there are plenty of American actors and blah, blah, blah. You, you know about it by now. And to a point, I understood where he was coming from, sort of. Granted, it, it should, I don't feel like it should be that deep. Like a black act, a black actor is a black actor. And if you're talented, then that should speak for itself. He wouldn't have been chosen for the role if he wasn't talented. Um, my thought, my, my biggest thought on the comments was that that Samuel Jackson made it. It's he's obviously talking about British actors in American roles, period. And the fact that he singled out who he singled out only showed me that he's been thinking this and he's been feeling this way for a while because Daniel Kaluuya is not the first British black actor to 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 do amazing work in an to do amazing work in an American role, which makes me think that. If you thought this about him, I know you thought this about Idris Elba. There's no way possible that you didn't. So I feel like as much as high as a, as as highly as I respect Samuel Jackson, I feel like you've been feeling this way for a while. You you need to if you're going to go, you know, if you're going to make that statement, you, you kind of should have went harder. Like you know, he's not the first actor, first British black actor to do this. And that that just kind of set wild with me I, i'm wondering if you know he didn't say this about idris elba or um and i'm blanking on his name but uh the guy that plays wes in uh how to get away with murder um as well as you know the the many before uh that you know like why didn't you say anything towards those guys like do you feel like they were too big of a caliber and you wouldn't have been well received or what like that that's just a little strange to me you know Again, all the props in the world to Samuel Jackson. Still one of my favorite actors of all time. That just, I just found that a little odd. But anyway, getting into the movie. My initial impression, um, let me start off by saying when it comes to like thrillers and horror movies, even though this was, this was more of a thriller than, um, than a straight up horror movie. Um, yeah, I'm a punk. I don't, I don't go to movies 
to see those. I, I watch those on TV on well-lit Saturday afternoons when they're on USA and all the, uh, the, uh, the, the, the gore is, is cut out and uh, I can handle a jump scare on a smaller screen better <laughs> than I can on the big, on a big movie, on a big movie theater screen. So, um, already I, I'm sitting there like, man, I, I don't know how this is going to go out. Like, I, I hope that I don't scream out next to my friend cause that's not going to be a good look, but whatever, here we go. Um, I'm not going to go piece by piece of the whole movie. Um, I'm just going to kind of stick to the, the parts that really stuck out to me. Uh, if you've seen the movie, it, obviously it starts off with Lakeith Stanfield. Um, let me go off on a little side tangent. I don't think he's getting enough credit. Like, I think people know how talented he is, but I don't think he, he gets, he's getting the, the, the full recognition he deserves. Cause this dude, is amazing. He's been amazing in everything he's been in. And, oh man, the dude is just, just brilliant. I, I can't wait to see what's next. Like, what, if he's in it, I'm down. Like, even I, I, the, the whole, the live action American Death Note for all my anime fans out there, I totally understand the heat it's been catching. I totally understand the, you know, the feeling of it being whitewashed and all that good stuff. Not good stuff, but you, you get what I'm saying. I, I totally understand the need to want to boycott it, boycott it, you know, not watch it. But I'm sorry. I have to see Lakeith Stanfield play L. So I'm going to have to take the L on that. No pun intended. It, it's a must for me. I need to see this transpire. So, um, yeah, sorry. Tangent over. So, yeah, movie starts off with him. And obviously, you know what happens if you haven't seen it. Um, get snatched up. And from there, it immediately kind of clicks into the, the really creepy intro credits. Like, I'm sitting there watching the intro alone, uh, where it's just, you know, the, the driving down, the scene, the view from, you know, like a window of someone driving down the road and the, the credits and all that stuff. It took me back to like, it took me back to like when, uh, USA, the channel, USA would always show those, those really like creepy thrillers on Saturday afternoons before it was always some version of law and order and NCIS on the weekends. Like on a Saturday afternoon, you catch like a, a really creepy thriller. Um, they always kind of started off like that. That's what it took me to. It just, it lets you know, like you're going to be, if you're not, you know, like it, it lets you know off top, like you need to be uncomfortable. Like uh, we're going to make you uncomfortable now so that it doesn't like, so that it stays uncomfortable from start to finish. And then it, it snaps into, you know, Gambino's Redbone, which is just like, just a perfect transition. So the movie itself, you, we, you should know the plot by now. You should know how things sort of transpire. If you haven't uh, seen it by now, then you're later than me and you probably should go ahead and see it. But, um, I just kind of want to talk about, you know, some key moments in there. Um, aside from the obvious that people have talked about so much, um, the, uh, the sunken place. That that whole scene, um, which I know has been said a billion times, is is terrifying as hell. Um, just the the setup of him, you know, being kind of being polite and sitting down when he really wanted to just leave, and getting tricked into to talking about pretty much getting hypnotized and being tossed into the sunken place, and just the way that it it's shot and the way it goes down. It's probably that whole scene 
from him going to the sunken place to waking up was probably at most three minutes, but it felt so much longer. The way it was shot and the way it kind of plays out and like the, the part where he falls into the floor and it, you know, it, it takes its first sort of trippy phase where you see him falling back and just the view of what's going on outside of it, just kind of, you know, kind of fading back, like kind of pulling back as he gets deeper and deeper was just such a huge thing of on for me on two levels. Now, after I watched the movie, um, not too long after that fan bros show, shout out to them. Um, if you're not listening to them, um, for, you know, your, your media, your, your tech and all geek them, shout out to fan bros show. Uh, one of my favorite podcasts, a huge podcast. Um, go check them out. They, they did an interview with Allison Williams, which was just awesome. Like in, in regards to the movie, um, and her as an actress, um, it's just awesome. And she talks about how the sunken place and what we see in the sunken place is essentially like giving a voice to the, the theater, like the sunken place the way it, it, it pans out the first time it's introduced, um, it, you know, this, the screen, his view sort of pulls out and it's almost like he went from living his life to sitting in the theater, watching it transpire in front of him, like as he's falling back. And the fact that, you know, he's, he's screaming at what's happening in front of him, but no voice is coming out. It's, and like, I'm kind of paraphrasing what she was getting at, but like, it's pretty much what we go through watching movies. When you go to the theater, you're sitting, watching all this stuff transpire in front of you, but your voice can't be heard. You know that this person shouldn't open this door. You know, this person shouldn't do this. You know, this person shouldn't, you know, take that, but they can't hear you. And that was just huge to me because as the as the view is pulling back, it's like he's literally sitting in a theater watching all this stuff happen and he's powerless to do anything to stop it. Um, the other big way that it, it hit me was more on a personal level. Um, and I'm going to be a little transparent, um, which I, I often do on this <laughs> if you've been listening to me for a while. So I used to have when I was like when I was growing up. Um, probably sometime around between middle school and maybe like my junior year of high school, I would have this reoccurring dream every now and then where I would come downstairs, which already was weird enough because, well, actually I had it. I definitely had it when I was younger, younger than that. Um, probably like who knows fourth or fifth grade to my junior year that I, I distinctly remember this happening when we lived in California too. I would have this dream where I would, I would come downstairs and that right there was like the indicator that I was in a dream because, um, the two houses we lived in between during the, the period of these dreams coming up, um, we, we lived in a one story house. So I, I'd come downstairs and my parents would be doing whatever and something would be wrong. Like they, for whatever reason, something was up with their faces. Like they were gray and there were these weird scratch. They were almost like zombies, but they were, you know, they were acting normal. And every time I would notice it, I would open my mouth to speak or say something and no sound would come out. And once I realized that no sound was coming out, like I couldn't hear myself trying to project sound, like it would freak me out. Like, and I, I would, try harder and harder and to the point where I felt when, you know, when I would wake up, I felt like I had been screaming my lungs out trying to get a sound. 
So when he falls into the sunken place and he's, you, you see him screaming, but no sound is coming out. I was already terrified the minute he hit that floor. And, you know, well, the minute he's, he's hypnotized and like he can't move, but once he, he hits that floor and no sound comes out, I immediately went right back to that place of how I felt during those dreams and became even more anxious and afraid because it resonated with me personally. Like I never figured out what those, what those dreams meant. I hope I wasn't put into the sunken place when I was a kid because that would suck. Uh, <laughs> but it would, it made it that much more terrifying that, that I had experienced this at least in a dream. Like I knew exactly what that felt like. It, it was just, it, it, it made my blood boil and not in an, you know, not in an anxious, well, yeah, in an anxious way, not in a, I'm about to, I'm angry, but like, I'm, I'm, I was petrified in my seat. Um, my friend, uh, I, you know, if you listen to this, you probably had no idea, but yeah, uh, I, I might've been playing tough, but yeah, I was scared to death when that happened, when that went down. I was frightened, but you know, I didn't expect you to do anything because you were frightened too. And I don't know. I, but you know, I wasn't going to say anything. <laughs> so like I said, uh, if you have, if you get a chance, go, you know, go listen to that Fran Burroughs episode with Allison Williams. Cause it's just, a, it's, it's an amazing insight onto the process that went into making that movie. Um, just from her, her view as playing that particular role, which was just, you know, kudos to her for playing that role and, you know, being able to go to the places that she she had to go to, um, even though like it drove her crazy to have to, you know, play some of these parts. But she pulled it off. It was amazing. And yeah, I, I now understand the, the meme. Um, we all need a friend like Rob. If you're not a friend like Rob, uh, I hope you aspire to to care about someone enough that you could at least attempt to be a friend like Rob. But just all the layers, there's so many layers in that movie. Um, it's, it's brilliant from top to bottom. Like there's, there's no, I can't think of any, any moment in the movie where it's just like, okay, this is just, this doesn't even make sense for the purpose of telling a story. Like everything in there is on point. Um, from the way things are paced to his, his natural reaction in response to, uh, to, um, to Georgina and, um, I, I, the, the, uh, his, his name, the character's name is, 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 um, is escaping me, but, you know, him just kind <clears> of <throat> like, Hey, you know, he felt comfortable seeing other black people. And, you know, it, I hope that gave a little bit of insight to those of you who are predominantly white and working and work and teach in, in predominantly white environments who, who's have, who only interact with, you know, black people on a, in single numbers, like when they see other black people, don't take that personally. I mean, you can take it personally if you want, but whatever, like it's, you feel comfortable, you know what I mean? Um, working at a predominantly white, uh, clinic that I work at now, it's, it, it's interesting. Like the, just, just yesterday at the time of me recording this, um, there is, there's another, there's a patient that comes in and the first time I met him, he was actually on his way out one particular day. Um, it was his first visit and he was on his way out, but he's, he saw that I worked there. And, you know, as he said bye to all the, all my, my coworkers who were white, um, like he, he kind of gave me more of, more of a, uh, my, my goodbye had more behind it because he, he, he knew he was like, okay, yeah, you, you're, you're in this. And I'm pretty sure they all mean well, but they don't quite get 
how being surrounded by whiteness can be a bit overwhelming. There's no bit. It can be really overwhelming. And, you know, even when they mean well, it's just it's just something that we have to deal with. Um, so if you see some black people kind of trail off and kind of group together, like, don't take it personal. You know what I mean? But also don't make it awkward by outwardly saying, hey, they're over there, you know, doing their survival tactic. No, like, just let it be like keep doing you. If they invite you to the circle and embrace it, but don't overstep your boundaries. <laughs> All right. Um, without going into like a whole, you know, play by play of the entire movie, like uh, another big thing that stuck out to me was how a lot of people, their initial reaction to the uh, the blind photographer sort of kind of downplaying the fact that, you know, for me, what he wanted end game wise, he's like, he didn't think it was about race. He didn't want him to think, you know, this isn't about race for me. And even his in his initial meeting of Chris, like he was just like, you know, these people kind of, you know, they're, they're kind of, you know, they're strange, but I'm not like them. Um, I know about you. I know about your, your photography. Like you have a, you have an amazing eye like that, like you have an amazing view, you, the way you capture, you capture images. And later on when he's sort of explaining to him what's going on and he's going through the spiel about how, uh, when he answers the question of why black people pretty much in short, he pretty much just lays it out. It's just like you guys, they want, they want to be you because you're the coolest. You're, you're clearly genetically gifted. You're the center of what's hip and what's trendy and what makes it big. And then he kind of goes into the whole, like, I don't like for him, this is me speaking as him. He kind of, he kind of speaks into this whole thing of like, well, you know, I, I, I understand that you're upset, but for me, this isn't about race. I just want your eyes. I want to be able to capture things the way you capture. And initially it plays out as, well, he's, you know, he's blind. And I, I got this, this impression from a lot of other people's reviews where it's just like, they kind of, they kind of believed him where it's just like, well, you know, he, he's obviously blind. So he wants those eyes. It's not about race for him, but. If you look a little bit deeper into that, you have to take into account that a big reason the, this, the photographer couldn't quite wrap his head around. And even if he would have gotten his eyes, he probably would not have wrap, been able to wrap his head around why his photography and why his eye for what was in front of him was so good was because as a black person, as a person of color, as a woman, you have to, you, you, you naturally see the world through different lenses. So even though he said it wasn't for him, he claims it wasn't for, it wasn't because of racism. It was just because of his eyes. In a sense, it kind of was because black people and other people of color, women, minorities, they see the world through different lenses. That's, and I, I honestly think that subconsciously that's what he wanted. He wanted to be able to see what he saw. Now, whether or not it would have worked, who knows? But that's what I took from him saying that, you know, I just want your eyes. It's not about race. It To me, it kind of was because you needed to see through the eyes of a black man. This You needed to see through the eyes of this particular black man to kind of reclaim your your status as a as a photographer. So many layers to this movie. Um I can talk about this movie for, for, for days. Um, this is definitely one of those ones that, you know, I'm buying on DVD. Um, I'd probably even buy the, I, and I'm hoping that he does do like a, a an extended 
I don't know about extended cut if there isn't, you know, more to it, but like the, this, the bonus edition with all the behind the scenes stuff, because when, when they, when it all comes out of how this movie was made and just the, the writing process and the thought process, this one is one of those ones that I, I need to know. I need to know what, <laughs> what's going on, what was going on in the minds of these actors. Um, all the actors directly involved from, from Chris going from the beginning and his, his process through it. Um, the actress that played Georgina, um, more from Allison Williams, definitely Lakeith Stanfield because that scene where, you know, he's reintroduced as, and it, it didn't really click until like I thought about it more after, but like, that's why his reactions to Chris and what he was saying were so weird because he wasn't, he wasn't a black man. He was a white man in the driver's seat of a black man. That's why it, it made so much sense when he kind of accidentally put him on blast of like, he was just telling me about how he felt more comfortable that I was around. Like in that, whoever that white guy behind the driver's seat was, he had forgotten that he was in the driver. He was in the body of a black man. So he didn't, it didn't click to him that like, oh, he's, he's comfortable because I look this way, which there's a whole nother level to that. But, um, yeah, like once again, shout out to Lakeith Stanfield, but to kind of wrap this up, because I don't want to go, I don't want to make these entirely too drawn out. Not yet, at least. Um, I don't, I don't have like a rating system. I don't know if I'm going to come up with a rating system for these, but for now I can definitely say that get out worth the hype. All right. So um, to make this fun, uh, there's a lot of movies and music and TV shows that I just plain haven't seen, um, whether they're, you know, more classic stuff, um, whether they're big name stuff, whether they're movies that are considered black people homework. There's a good chance I probably haven't seen a lot of it just for whatever reason. And, you know, I'll go into each one. Um, so if you got any suggestions for movies that uh, you want to hear my take on that I may possibly have not seen yet. Or just want to hear me review, uh, you know, you know where you can reach me. Um, I, I, it's, it's stated at the beginning, but if you need another reminder, you can always hit me at off the clock. That's O F F T H A clock podcast at yahoo.com. Um, you can hit me on Twitter at off the clock pod, or you can search triple underscore D SoundCloud, iTunes, you not YouTube. What in the world? Who knows? Maybe. Uh, but <laughs> SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, MixCloud. Uh, I'm on all that stuff. Uh, you can leave a comment under this wherever you hear it. So, uh, yeah. That is my late-ass review of Get Out. And uh, hit me up with your suggestions, and I will talk to you guys next time. <laughs>